listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Drinks and Deep Dives episode. I got my co-host today, Chelsea Scott. Chelsea, good morning. Hey, Chris, how are you? Doing great. So today we're going to be talking about a factoid you brought us, which is some interesting rent rent trend data. Yep. We're going to be talking about a deep dive into a portfolio analysis you did recently for a client about should, should they optimize their portfolio by bring up to market rent or by leveraging up and trading. So mm-hmm. great numbers there and definitely some things that can accelerate people's wealth building. Yep. Then we'll go into a couple frequently asked questions today. So I think most of our listeners know who you are, but they don't, you know, you're Chelsea, you're in our portfolio analysis division yep. and you do a lot of like the, as people come in and say, Hey, I've got all these properties or this property loan for all, what do I do? This is where you come and help people optimize their portfolio. Yep. So I love these podcasts because they're, they're always, there's, there's every scenario is different. Mm-hmm. Every portfolio is different. Yep. And there's so many options. Yeah, there there are a lot of options. And then everybody comes with a different set of goals. So that's kind of really cool too, because we kind of try to figure out how to put the pieces together so that they can achieve financial freedom. All right, so we're going to jump into our factoid. All right, so rent trends, because this is something... I know you put together, Chelsea, caught your eye. Yeah. So what caught your eye about it? Walk us through it. Yeah. So I was just looking to see um, for my own properties if we should be increasing rent because I'm just about to hit the year mark with a couple of them. And I was just curious on how Denver was performing. And so I was doing some research and I came across this great source that I'm going to share with you in a minute here that kind of really spoke to not only what was happening in Denver locally, but compare in comparison to other cities in the country, and then even broke down the neighborhoods in Denver to show where some neighborhoods are really performing well. And I thought it would be great for our audience because a, lo- a lot of our audience are landlords and have properties and they may be ticking over into a new lease or a new tenant or re-upping a current tenant and that this would be a great just kind of current data that shows what's been happening with rents in Denver. I also want to debunk some just theories out there that maybe Denver's not performing optimally right now or that something during COVID may have happened with some of the um, eviction issues that people are having. But overall, Denver's trending really well. And I wanted to show people that data. All right. Yeah. So tell me when to click the next slide. Okay, great. So this, um, and thanks for doing that. So the source here is called Apartment List. And I don't know if anybody's found them. I recently came across them in my research and I really love their data. Um, it's super comprehensive. It's super in-depth. Um, I just grabbed a few of their slides, but if you go to their website, you can really find a lot of kind of interesting facts and data points on rents. Um, This is not only in Denver, but nationally. So you can look at the entire nation if you're maybe invested in other cities or have looked at investing in other cities. Um, So this here is basically a year snapshot, June 2020 to June 2021. And you can see, obviously, with the dip that rents took, um, even took a little bit of a dip at the beginning of this year, they have now rebounded quite substantially um, in the country, as well as in Colorado and in Denver. And so Denver has seen about a 5.8% rent trend trending upwards between last year and this year at this time. So there's some significant recovery that's happening here in Denver. And it also emulates the state of Colorado, which is doing really well too. Um, the statewide, we're up 9.5%, which is above the national average. 
So we're doing we're doing really well. Um, so that's kind of the big picture I wanted to start with to just sort of compare the country, um, the state, and then down to the city and the Denver Metro. So do you know for the reason it says Denver here, is that just for Denver Metro or is yep. it actually for Denver County slash city? So it's Metro and we're going to break that down okay. in a minute. That's, okay, a, cool. that's a great point. So let's go to the next slide and then we'll talk about that. So that is Denver Metro and you can see um, it's right there in the center of this graph where you're comparing it to other markets like Phoenix, Colorado Springs, Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego um, that have seen some significant year-over-year upward trends. So this is also June 2021, um, looking at where the rent numbers are at the moment. And so this is a median average for a two-bedroom. So I just want to put put that out there as well. So a two-bedroom average in Denver is 1700 So if you have a two-bedroom that's running above that, um, great. If you're not at 1700 on your on your two-bedroom, you might want to consider based on the condition and location, um, you know, moving toward that 1700 mark. And again, that's an average. That's the middle, you know, of the bell curve. But it's a really good number to, you know, to look at. And that's tracking above, you know, some of the other cities out there in comparison. Whereas, of course, somewhere like San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, of course, they have much higher rent numbers, which is pretty normal. Um, but they also right now have some of them have higher vacancy rates. So. Um, but yeah, but I thought that was a, just a great number. And then if you go to the next slide. So sorry, before we go on there, oh, sure. I, I, I want to point out a few things. So there's Denver on there. You said mm-hmm. you know, median 1700 mm-hmm. and shows that 5% in rent growth. Uh, Austin's next, which is interesting. I think two bedrooms actually a little bit less than Denver's. Because yep. I know Austin's probably been the craziest market. But Fort Collins is the next in this graph at 1450 mm-hmm. at a median two bedroom. And the Springs is at 1400 for median two bedroom. Yep. And what Fort Collins been right around that 5% year over year rent growth. The Springs is up. Well, I mean, what's that? About four and a half. Four, four and a half. Oh, right here for the rent growth, right? That's. um. So that's actually year over year total. Yes, correct. You're correct okay. for the total rent growth. So that's definitely right. some big ones. Okay. So mm-hmm. just some, I mean, all up and down the front range, just yep. solid numbers. We're seeing rent growth, you know, in those three markets. So. Great. It's All a right. great, great point. That's an awesome point. So now this is where it's like Denver Metro and looks at the entire Metro here, right? So it's breaking it out into communities from Lone Tree, Broomfield, Parker, Thornton, Westminster, Littleton, Englewood, Denver, Aurora, and Arvada. So it's going to look at the different trends. Again, that same two bedroom median rent growth. And it shows you that you know, each each one of these, when you break them out by neighborhood, like Littleton has done really well on, on the growth chart in terms of, like you said, year over year grant growth, as has Parker. And that's just in terms of, you know, growth. But Lone Tree has $2,300, which I found fascinating. But the price of entry in Lone Tree is higher than it is in some of these other markets. So you can obviously, you can buy a two bedroom in Westminster um, in, in the Denver area or in Aurora um, for less than you could there. And so to answer your question, let's go back. Denver is actually just the Denver, Denver County, city and county of Denver. Okay. Whereas now this is the whole metro. So going backwards, that did just count the lines of the Denver um, city and county. So yeah, so back to this, I mean, again, great growth overall. Um, Denver itself, city and county has seen some of the the lowest growth in terms of, of rent. And if you're comparing it to say Aurora, Littleton, um, Parker, you know, those and Lone Tree. They and I think that's because, really I mean, you know, during with the downtown there, I mean, that's that's they got hurt the most during they COVID did. when they did. people it's not going to live really downtown can't that, do anything. That pulled the average down. Yeah. But it's still overall a 5.8 percent growth. And that's a really good point, because you want to you want to think about how 
it depends on your location. Like if you have a unit that's not downtown, but you're in Denver, you know, that doesn't mean that you necessarily saw such like low rank growth. You still may be seeing a better rank growth, but the average is being pulled down by that, uh, that kind of mass exodus that occurred. All right. And this next slide. So this is month over month and year over year um, rank growth. So back to that 5.8% on that top line. If you look at Denver, again, city and county, 5.8% year over year growth. But in the past month between May and June, it's a 3% rank growth. So it's a little bit slower, but you're still seeing growth even just month over month. And, you know, most of them are trending around the threes. So that's pretty standard across all of these different neighborhoods, counties, um, communities. But then you can see some really big differences in the year over year. Like we mentioned before that Parker, Lone Tree, Westminster, they're on the really high end, whereas, you know, Denver didn't hit as as high. But month over month, they're all trending around a 3% growth. We say in our spreadsheets and in portfolio analysis, to expect an average 3% growth in rent year over year in Denver. So when we say that, if you look at those figures, that's really very much in line with um, what we anticipate seeing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's very conservative compared to what, because what we're seeing over here. Yep, exactly. On the year over year. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, yep. we always like to kind of plan conservatively yep. and hopefully reality gives us a, a, a cherry be- a better on top. snapshot. It's a great um, point. Yep. So lots of great data on here that we could talk from the good 20, 30 minutes on, but we gotta move on to the deep dive here. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is up on the YouTube video, we'll all these charts and some summary notes in the blog post as well. So this is definitely worth a few minutes of viewing on the blog post, scan it, lots of great data into the submarkets around Denver, which is really, really interesting. Yeah, great. So moving on to our deep dive, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what we'd like to do here for the deep dives is really looking at, you know, either a deal analysis, you know, like yep. individual property analysis or more like a portfolio analysis. Yep. And the portfolio is, you know, the vision that you run. And as you were thought clients, you help them figure out what to do with their portfolios. So I know this is a real life example. Mm-hmm. Obviously, personal details were removed. Yep. But what did this client come to you with and what was the overarching like question or theme? Yeah, so this client has two fourplexes. Um, they are up um, north in the Loveland area. And these two fourplexes are underperforming. And not only are they underperforming from a rent standpoint, but a lot of CapEx has gone into them. And so that CapEx kind of expenditure has really been a challenge for this client. And so they've really questioned if these are really worth keeping at that point, um, at this point. And so I spent a lot, I've I've spent a lot of time looking into this um, question for them and continue to do so. And then this is something that we now actually are meeting weekly on. So I'm meeting weekly with this client to go through these scenarios and talk about pros and cons. Um, We're actually going to film a podcast later today, and I'm going to use this same exact scenario again to look at the strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities and threats of these individual fourplexes. So we're kind of looking at it from a lot of angles. And I really appreciate doing that because some really interesting information has surfaced as a result of doing so many different deep dives into this particular portfolio. Um, So their question is, should I increase rents? Should I um, leverage up and 1031 out of them or should I sell them? Those are really the questions that they're asking right now. So here is uh, the first fourplex. Just give us a high level rundown on the prop because we got got all the right numbers on here, but give us the high ones so we don't drown people in numbers. In the details, sure. So this fourplex has three two bedrooms and one one bedroom. And I wanted to mention that because the second fourplex that this individual owns is our four two bedroom units. And I think that really matters. I really think that matters when you're making these choices because you really can't 
pull as much rent from a one bedroom as you can a two. And so I, I like to look at this as, you know, this one I might consider more less valuable than the second one we're going to look at, but it's it's basically three two bedrooms, one one bedroom. It was purchased in 2012 for $280,000 and it's currently worth $650,000. So right now there's no loan balance on it. So this is full equity of 650. So I just want to mention that, that there's a really strong equity play in this in this person's position. And that matters too as to how we make these decisions. How much equity you have is going to affect your next step. And so right now it's under rented at around 3,556 for those four units. Market rate is 4,400. So when you look at that, it's almost $1,000 under rented per month. Um, its current cap rate is just under 3%. And it has an annual cash flow and NOI of 19,430 because it has no debt. Okay, so, so about $20,000 a year right now in, 20, in annual cash flow. Yep, that's exactly right. So if this, if the decision were, and we're not going to come up with a, a decision yet, but one choice would be, oh, let's increase the market rents to 4400 and bring it up to market. That does bring it over a four cap, and it brings it to closer to $27,000 in cash flow. Okay. So, so yeah, that, uh, I mean, in that four cap range, that is where it should be. Yeah, for seeing that would be closer. Perspective. That's right. Um, okay, so right now, great. Fourplex, mm-hmm. paid off yep. in Loveland. Yep. Um, six hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. Mm-hmm. Fourplex number two. Okay, this is the four two bed one baths. Okay, so four bedrooms, yep. one bath. Now it's it's valued at around the same um, amount. That's what the client and I had decided. We basically pulled six fifty as a number that we felt was accurate for both of these. So there's another six fifty. There is some debt on this one, so the equity is slightly lower. It's about two hundred thousand lower. We're looking at about four hundred and fifty thousand, a little bit over of equity in this one. So we're looking at about 1.1 to say 1.2 million of equity in the two properties collectively, okay? So I wanna point that out because we're gonna bring that up later during the podcast. But I just, you know, again, this person is is working with, let's call it between a million and 1.2. Let's actually go with that range of what they will walk with on this property. And so knowing that this one is in a similar situation, it's under rented. It's at 37.89 a month, a little bit more than the other one because it's four two beds. It should be at forty six hundred. Okay. Again, about a thousand dollar variance, approximately. Cap rate is at about three six. It's cash flowing right now at around eleven thousand seven hundred a year, and it's NOIing at around twenty one thousand six twenty nine a year. So you know it's got some decent numbers. If we brought this to market rent, if it, if it, it was brought up, you would now be closer to a five cap. The new cash flow would be almost twenty thousand dollars and almost thirty thousand NOI. So you can see, I mean, significant jumps. Oh, yeah. So I just want to just kind of step back a little bit when looking at these and talk about the fact that it wouldn't be a bad idea to still bring these to market rents, even if going to sell, because you're going to get a better sales price if you if you bring up the cap. Mm-hmm. So while it may not be the right choice to increase the market rents, it could bring increase to market rents for this individual. They may just want to like get rid of these, I would still probably recommend that they try to bring the renters up to market to get the best price possible. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So those are the two properties that we're talking about. And now we're kind of going to go into some optimization scenarios and also sort of if we were to 1031, if that was going to be the option. So now we're looking at that current rent versus um, market rent. And I wanted to show really the variance, right? So I've combined the two properties. We've got both properties together now. The current NOI and the two properties together is 41,000 and 31,000 on cash flow. That's for the two combined. 
Market rents, we'd be closer to 56,000 NOI and 46,000 on cash flow. So a pretty significant increase. So $15,000 more. Yeah. That's not chump change. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty significant, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll take an extra 15,000. Right. I mean, why not? Totally. You know, you can buy extra drinks for the dive. (laughs) We can buy a lot of drinks for that much. I mean, stock the fridge, you know? I like like your head goes, Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So then the equity, like, I mean, there's your equity position right there. No matter what you do, market rents or not, you're still, you might, however, be able to increase that equity if you could increase the sales price as yep. a result. So we're, we, I didn't go there. It's just like too deep of a dive. You know, I, I don't want to anticipate what it'll be worth if you increase the rents. And I don't know if that can be done or if the owner even wants to go there. But if they did, there's a chance they could increase their equity position. So 70% of equity on the two properties is 780 780, $780,500,000. And I mentioned that because basically if they want to put 30% down on a property, like they could, they could free and clear, just they could go and put 37% down and they could end up with a property that they only owe $780,000. We're going to deal with that later. Just, just put that on the side for right now. So the multiplier for cash flow is 4.5% and the multiplier for NOI is 2.5% if you get this to market rent. So when you say multiplier, what do you what do you mean? I don't understand that. Like you're taking the cash flow in total and you are 4.5x. You could go up to 4.5x on the cash flow. So actually, you know what? I think that that was before. Maybe ignore that. You're right. Maybe that's not right. Let's just let's just skip that for now. Okay. Because there was a there was I I did some different playing with like taking a cash out refi. And I think that was from actually that when I was in gotcha, that from a previous version. Okay. So forget the, multiplier, so forget the so. multiplier, but you are definitely multiplying your NOI and your cash flow. So sorry about that. Ignore that. You are, you are going to, you're going to do that. So skip, move on. Perfect. So to kind of recap this from high level, mm-hmm. if you're to bring the properties to market rent, your total NOI and cash flow increase by about 15 grand approximately. Yep. Equity will say about the same about you know one point one million dollars. Of course, that's going to depend on yeah. final sales price, and yeah. appraisals, and all that stuff. But you know, yep. one point one gives us an idea to play with. So, okay, so obviously, this investor has uh, you know two very nice properties mm-hmm. uh, that are performing well. Good mm-hmm. for him buying them. You know, nine ten years ago. Yep. Some options here for bringing up to market rent, but as we know. He is seeing a lot of equity, yes, which I think plays into another option of leveraging up. It does. And before we go there, I do want to mention that, again, there was a lot of CapEx that was expended on these properties, which is really good for the sale because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's up to date now. But that was another concern that sort of wore this client out in the properties a little bit. Like they they kind of felt like, I'm a little bit tired of dealing with this kind of maintenance and now I want to move on. And and I wanted to point that out because that can matter. Sometimes people will say, I've had a really bad renter in this property and I've had a really bad experience and therefore that could be a reason to want to make that change. Makes sense? So they want to actually switch and say, you know, it's because of their own personal experience in the property as yep. much as the numbers. So again, we've talked about this in, in other podcast with other with other clients when uh when we've had guests on the show we've talked about like life comes in as much as the numbers so while it would make sense maybe to move it to market rents this client may be a little bit worn on these properties and may want to do something else so just wanted to put that in there as a decision making factor that may come in um but okay let's move into leveraging so equity to 1031 into larger real estate. So again, we go back to that 1.1 million, right? Which is 25% of $4.461 million in real estate valuation. So what does that mean? That means that this client could now transfer in to basically 4Xing. It's 3.43 times, right? Three and a half times their 
net worth, potentially the amount of real estate valuation they actually have and size up into something that large. I feel like there's like a wow moment when that happens, when I put that number out there, because people don't realize that, wow, I right now have two properties that are worth only 1.3 million at the moment. And now I can have, well, only, I say only like, only in comparison to the fact that you can turn it into $4.4 million Mm -hmm. of real estate. I mean, that's like, that's the... Wow. And, and and you're so right, because this is, I mean, a lot of people experience this and we often overlook it because, you know, uh, you know, with real estate, cash flow is obviously a very big thing people focus on. Mm-hmm. But markets like Denver, you know, we've had great appreciation. Yep. Should continue appreciation is the, the equity, the the money in your real estate piggy bank and your equity. Yeah. There's so much potential there that you can, I mean, going from, a, you know, a $1 million portfolio to a $4.5 million portfolio, yep. that changes your retirement. That changes your life. It changes the whole game. And it also changes your options. Yeah. So another thing is that once you get into the commercial lending space and you have properties of this size, you now, now you can leverage again to multiply that, right? So think about it. You just went 3.43 times X your portfolio in this one move. Now imagine you do that again in seven years. You know, now you can maybe go to, to eight or 10 or $12 million of real estate. That's why 1031 so, QI says swap till you drop. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And just keep, yeah, keep keep going, keep moving. I mean, mm. go, go, go. I mean, you just gotta keep keep them the pieces moving because um you really can you really can make a lot of changes here so great so let's because yeah. you i nailed that point they've mm-hmm. got 1.1 million you know let's say that's what they what they sell this property they get that they go up to here and you ran this scenario through a 23 unit apartment complex down in the springs yep and this is just you know an, uh, a deal you've looked at recently, I and did. the numbers about fit what this client has. Correct. So of course he can mul- go into multiple properties, lower price point. Yeah, go totally. Tr- I mean all sorts of stuff, but this is just going to be kind of like a very light kind of hey, I like residential multifamily. Yeah, and let's just scale up into a bigger property. Yep. Um, to you know keep things simpler. So yep. trading up, walk us through these numbers because this is this is where it gets very powerful. Okay, so now you've decided to sell your eight units, and this is a 23-unit apartment complex in Colorado Springs. So it's selling for $4.13 million, which is basically right in the affordability space that the client can purchase. So this particular um, property in the the write-up is bringing in around $300,000 per year in revenue, right, with about $105,000 of operating expenses. And I used a 3.25% debt payment structure, which in commercial loans, especially if it's going to be a variable, is, is very realistic. So you could get a 3.25% loan, which your debt payment on that with 25% down is $156,000 per year. So on the cash flow side of things, $37,000, $37,617. So if, you, if this client decides not to increase cash flow from the from its current cash flow, you now just went up six thousand dollars per year in cash flow because the current cash flow at the rents that it's receiving right now are thirty one thousand one seventy eight. Something else I want to mention is that these properties that are currently in existence, these two fourplexes, are not very well located. They're not in the best place in Loveland. So I had this conversation about do you think you could even up the rents to the level of market rents? And I don't know that the location would allow them to. So that's another reason that, you know, making that transition may or may not be something that they can do. So if the properties are sold the way that they are, the current cash flow is going to switch to a $6,000 cash flow increase. Now that may not be 
as much of an increase as people expect, which this comes, this happens when we look at multifamily, like people look at it and they're like, oh, I thought I was going to end up with, you know, $100,000 in cash flow with 23 units. Well, it's because of the debt and it's because of the operating expenses. But in the long run, the NOI that they're going to pull in, when you subtract the $156,000 of debt payments are closer, you're getting closer now to almost $200,000 or it's about $190,000 a year of cash flow once they're paid off, yep. which is nowhere close to the NOI that you're getting. It's almost three times the number of, of NOI that you're actually getting if you go back. And that's a really good there. point to like mm-hmm. circle back around to yeah. emphasize kind of like, a, I'd say a, a punchline or yep. takeaway for this show Yeah, is that, I mean, yeah, the cash flow, great. You're gonna make an extra six, eight, $10,000 a year, which is not that much more, right? but your equity is much higher. And then you look at the long run when it's paid off, you have a much bigger multiple because you're, it's hard to compare, you know, real estate that's leveraged up to the max, you know, totally. 25, 30% down payment Yep. versus, you know, those other two properties are probably like a 15% LTV altogether. Yeah. So it's very, hard, very, very low LTV, very low yes. value. That's right. Um, and so the cash doesn't be skewed on there, but that's the difference of, hey, paid off properties are going to mm-hmm. be, you know, cash flow heavy, mm-hmm. um, lower risk. Yep. But if you're looking to have more money in the future, more net worth, more cash flow in the future, leveraging up to buy new properties like this is almost always the right answer. And I mean, in real estate, we are all paying to wait. That is basically the game. You know, we're all paying to wait. Like you, you, you put your, your investment into this, you put your money into this, and then you kind of just, you put it on a, on a pause, like 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, now you're suddenly, it's all going to come flooding in. So you're basically just, you know, you're playing a waiting game when it comes to that, but you are not going to end up with $200,000 of NOI. I mean, with one property in any scenario, if I were to do this on singles, duplexes, triplexes, or quads, you would need many of them. Mm -hmm. Like in in the case before, the total NOI was, I think, 56,000. So you would need to three times that to even get close to where you're going to get here with just one property. So... Kind of final question for me, and then we'll move on um, to a couple questions. So for this client, you know, it a lot of times depends on what the client's goals are, because mm-hmm. this is very different than a conversation with a, a 35-year-old mm-hmm. versus someone that's 75. Totally. And a lot of times, 75, totally. they're like, hey, I'm happy with the cash flow. Yep. They want they want to be more conservative, less risky. Yep. Versus someone, you know, younger, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm still, I got time on my side. Mm-hmm. I want to compound. I want to grow. So... That's one variable I have a lot, but like in terms of client, like what is he leading towards and what is his goals? Yeah. So, I mean, his goals, th- this particular client wants to increase his cash flow. And so there is a little bit of a question as to whether or not this is going to be the best fit because they want more cash flow. So we we have actually run through a scenario of some more single units and also maybe some other quadplexes and looking at that because $1.1 million can spread out over multiple units. And so if you're looking at cash flow, you are going to see a better return on individual units at this time, at least the ones that we that we look at. There might be a scenario where you find a really great eightplex 16 unit that just has a really strong cash flow because it happens to be renting above average rents because of location. Maybe it was discounted for a reason because it was in downtown Denver. Um, there are scenarios out there that we can look at that the numbers might get a little closer, but there are some there's some serious consideration on looking for maybe 10 units in a 1031 here, which is a challenge. I mean, it's for looking ch- for um, 10 individual yeah, units. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Have, I would... We, I know it's tough. I understand. I'm totally aware it is not easy, but it would, it would increase the cash flow more. And this, the goal for this particular client is to increase cash flow. 
So, I mean, if, if you're right, if they were 30 years old, 35 years old, and they wanted to increase their net worth and increase their leverage and pay it off by the time they're 65, so they have $200,000 coming in per year on like one property, this is a great play. This is an awesome play. Or maybe they're in a situation with partners, which is another avenue we're exploring. So we are looking at exploring, would you want to partner in this? Use a portion of mm-hmm. your 1031 funds into this one and then look at, you know, or one like this and then look at a few other individual units. And that's what, I mean, that's just what happens is there's, there's no clear answer. No. And then you throw them a, what if this, Yep. what if that, yep. what if this, and this sort of just comes down. It's great to like, you know, have the ability to sit down with someone like you, run through portfolio, bounce ideas off of them yeah. and run through and say, Hey, great. Here, here's a plan. Here's what to execute on. Yeah. So final thoughts on this, Chelsea, I mean, on this portfolio, I think that, you know, you really, you really nailed it when you said the goals, like what are that person's, what are the specific goals that this person wants? And they have a lot of equity to work with. And I'm such a fan of deploying equity. I really am. I I really believe in it wholeheartedly because money just sits there stagnant and is not working hard for you. And you can really make it work harder for you. And so whether that's leveraging this into multiple different channels, so it's like maybe a couple singles, maybe a couple multis, maybe other investments that a qualified QI can tell you, you know, what would actually work and you can 1031. I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of that. It's just more, the, the takeaways here are you're under rented. You're unclear if this location is going to produce for you. You maybe are a little bit tired of these properties. Let's look at all the different scenarios before you make a decision. I mean, I think scenario scenario planning for me is one of my absolute favorites when you're going to make a big move in mm-hmm. real estate. And I mean, people, people are nervous about it. They really are. I mean, this is a, this is a big jump. Oh, this it's a huge, a huge chunk of jump. Money, no matter what. It's I mean, a huge chunk yeah. of money and it's a huge, a whole new, I mean, there were some benefits we'd, we'd talked about here that you can run scenarios on if you're at 80% occupancy, like how would that work? Because in these cases, you can be at 80% occupancy and still cover all of your expenses. Whereas if you're 80% occupied in your single family home for the year and you constantly have like two months vacant, that's going to really take a toll on the cash flow and mm-hmm. almost maybe negate the cash flow, almost down to zero. Whereas you're not going to worry about that here. So there's always pros and cons in each one of these places. It's just a matter of like, wow, you know, what, what does this really look like? How can I really make this work? And it's, the results are, I, I think, really telling and really interesting. And and I'm pretty sure this person, I mean, I know they want to make moves. So now they just have to find the moves that are the most comfortable and most realistic for them. Great. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, this has been another fantastic show with you. I like the rent trends. I like this deep dive into the uh, scenario planning a lot more. I think they're just, they're fascinating. Not yeah. There's not a lot of people talking about it out there. Yep. And so it's always just unique content with so many variables to look at. So thank you. And of course, for our listeners out there, if you guys have questions, leave them in the comments. If you need help finding a property, reach out. Or if you want Chelsea to review your portfolio, help you kind of come up with some scenario ideas. Just say, you know what? I've got these properties. I'm not sure what to do on here. This is the whole reason we've been developing the portfolio analysis platform. And we have big plans to improve it, grow on it. And Chelsea is just a great advisor and helping people figure out options and then making a game plan. So Chelsea, thank you. Awesome. Cheers, Chris. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs)